Welcome to episode 41 of Making It. I'm Bob Claggett, here with Jimmy Duresta. Hello. And David Judo. <laughs> hey. Hey there. Bob is hey, using hi. his fingers and he's pointing at us. It's like, <laughs> now you speak. It's your turn to talk. <laughs> I feel like a radio 41. announcer. <laughs> episode 41. <laughs> 41. Patterns is forming. Yes. Yeah, so welcome to this episode. Um, we are going to talk about stuff at some point, but before we do that, let's talk about what we're working on. What are you guys working on? I had a surprise video a couple days ago. I made a picture frame for my sister. For yes. She got married over the weekend, and uh, I thought it would be cool to take the wedding invitation and the save the date um, and make cut out a mat that holds those two things plus another hole in the mat where i laser engraved a date into some veneer and then left, thank you and then left one empty hole for her to add a wedding photo in there so there's kind of like the whole timeline of save the mm-hmm. date wedding invitation wedding photo and uh, in the video i show how to cut the mat or at least how i cut the mat and then make the frame with splines and everything and i wasn't actually planning on doing that and then I was like, I can do this all in a day and pretty much did. So it put the outfeed table video on hold for a few more days. And that the outfeed table will, will be my next video. I, you know, I have to say that I don't really believe you because that's SketchUp and Photoshop. You could totally have faked your outfeed <laughs> table. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Bob, Bob has accused me of, of uh, faking actually working. So I, I can't wait to no. prove him wrong. No, I can't wait to see that outfit table. It looks it looks like way too nice to be shop furniture from it's, the, the picture. The photos are a little bit deceiving. It's Baltic brick ply, plywood, and um, when I take the photos, it looks like beautiful maple, but it is not. It's just it's just plywood, um, but it's really sturdy. It's it's really awesome. I have lots more places to put stuff. And it just really, really helps organize the shop big time. And Baltic birch is always sexy. You show the ends of the ply. Yeah. Well, actually, no. Um, oh, you covered it. Yeah, I covered it with walnut trim, so I did get a oh, little, then, a little then fancy. That's fine. Yeah, and um, it's 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 really nice. Like I, I sanded it down super smooth, raised the grain, sanded it again, put some shellac on there, and it's so slippery. The top is just awesome. So, well, I'm sorry, I'm yawning, and that's because uh, <laughs> I drove Friday night after Friday after class. I drove to Pittsburgh, and then we did. Uh, I did make a fair. So we drove Friday, got to Pittsburgh at like four in the morning, stayed in a crummy hotel, woke up in the morning, checked into a good hotel near the fair. Once we checked in, literally running around in circles trying to figure out how to get into the Children's Museum in Pittsburgh, find a parking spot. Once I got into the Children's Museum trying to figure out where to check in, I found my contact. He literally whisked me right into a room full of people the exact moment I was supposed to speak. And uh, it was pretty amazing. Uh, I walked right into the uh, the room, and everybody was. As I walked in, everyone's like, "We're just tweeting you because you're four minutes late." And, uh, <laughs> Dale Doherty, the Dale Doherty is the man who started Make Affair and Make Magazine, and he was introducing me. And I, okay. and they, I was nowhere in sight. Nobody had any idea where I was, and he was up there stalling. So I walked in, and I got a chance to see Dale. Um, I thanked him profusely for my YouTube success, which I owe to Make Magazine getting me kickstarted. And uh, then I did a speech uh, about uh, some shop stuff, like kind of technical shop stuff. It was good because a lot of people were writing notes down. And then uh, on the second day, I did a conversation about um, just like the, the, about YouTube and how the intimacy of YouTube and, and the, 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 our fans and you know, kind of the experience we had at WIA where we were like hanging out every night with our fans and our fellow YouTubers and like everything is just like even interchangeable. There's no, there's no barriers. And, you know, when it comes to this world of sharing knowledge. And so it, it was really good. I met a lot of really, really excited fans and fans of all of ours and asking about you guys. And, and I had to keep reminding everybody that you were at your sister's wedding, David. <laughs> I really wanted to, to go. You weren't there. Yeah. But <laughs> next, next time, next time. No, of course. Uh, and then as far as work goes, oh, so we drove home Sunday night. Got home at like five in the morning yesterday, hardly slept. Last night, edited, hardly slept. Woke up this morning at six o'clock, had an important meeting 20 miles away. Drove there, hardly slept. So I need a nap. <laughs> but uh, I got my X-Carve going and I'm, I'm actually getting into it. I shot a video. I'm tweaking the video. I might have talked about this last week, but I'm giving the video a little bit more substance. And I also got my uh, saw stop delivered and set up 
And I don't know if anybody's following me on Snapchat. Me and Dave did a funny Snapchat video of, of us collecting the, the saw in the middle of the street because the truck dropped it off at my apartment, not at my workshop, which is two blocks away. <laughs> so we, we put the pallet on, on rollers, casters, and drove it, and drove it and pushed it all the way over here. And then I took the, the packaging. I, I have to put the packaging out tonight because it's recycling night. Like six bags of, of packaging. When I say bags, you know, the 55-gallon drums of, of, you know, bags for like yeah. a 55-gallon Packaging is just insane. Yeah. So I didn't even bring the parts downstairs in the packaging. Everything got opened up on the sidewalk. Uh, it took us a couple of hours to get all the pieces down the steps and uh, put together and set up. So now my, my brand new pristine saw stop is the only thing in my shop that's clean. And uh, I'm so nervous it's going to get like fingerprints on the steel top. And, and <laughs> it's, already, it's already got a few fingerprints. It's like unavoidable. It's like everything dirty and rusty. So David said, let's just put some wet drinks on it just to get some drink rings on it, just to get over the yeah so. <laughs> you just, just spray some of your like rust juice that you've used in the past on things on it just just go for it you know the rest of rust juice mm. i'm gonna trademark that name anybody else uh, hungry <laughs> yeah so that's been it's been a real busy week since last we spoke and uh it's just it just seems to get busier and busier but non-stop. i'm happy to be busy non-stop yeah. resta. i got a couple of movies in the shoot uh, I, I'm gonna. Everyone's asking me for my 300 collection. I think I'm gonna. Maybe by the time this is out, my my 300 thank you video will be out. Um, I'm gonna probably talk. I have a couple of lever action rifles, and I'll talk about that a little bit. And if tomorrow upstate, I'm going upstate tomorrow. By the time this airs, hopefully I will have gotten my Nick Offerman Lucky Boy canoe. That uh, oh, awesome. when me when we did that video, we uh, Nick struck a deal, and this is before he was famous or as famous as he is now. Um, he said, we'll build two canoes when we make this video. I'll keep one, which is called the Huckleberry. And then we'll make a second one. And he asked me what I wanted to name it. And I said, let's name it Lucky Boy after my Yorkie, my, my one that I still got. And uh, so the Lucky Boy and the Huckleberry were the two canoes that he made in that video. And the Lucky Boy is the canoe that he used in the final scene of Parks and Recreation. And that is being delivered to my house as we speak. Hopefully it's going to be there tomorrow. It's coming from... Uh, Rochester was like it's the depot. We came from California to Rochester, and then we scheduled the time from there to be delivered to my house. And hopefully tomorrow I'll get that. So if it does come in, I'm going to talk a little bit about that. I'll do some detailed shots. Was it on a and freight so truck or something? Yeah, it's actually a company that that specializes in shipping canoes and kayaks. Hmm. Well, that's yeah, it's weird. I don't know. When niche. I call them, they're like, they call you know Joe's Kayak Shipping Company. How can I help you? Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, howdy, Joe. It's, yeah, uh, I think his name is Ken, actually. So <laughs> but do, it you really, have, really do you have cool. water on your property? Well, I have, a, I have a, a beaver pond, which would be big enough for me to scoot around in it, but probably not fun because you could literally just see the other side. But there are some, there's a lot of ravines near, near upstate New York, near my house in upstate New York, and a few big lakes. So hmm. we Taylor's already kind of went through the, there's a couple of resources online which tell you close to your zip code where you can go and canoe. Oh, nice. So. Yeah, so it's, Nick made the canoe and a couple of paddles for me. So it's been all this time. When I drove out to make a fair to hang out with you guys, I drove down to Nick's shop for the very first time. I got to see it in person. And I was going to take the canoe, but it just, my truck didn't have roof racks that were appropriate. So I was like, I don't want to risk driving 3,000 miles and, and having it blow off. So I did not take it. But that was the plan, but it changed. Well, and you ended up going through a whole bunch of weather on the way back, too, right? Yeah, so, so it would have so been good. It, yeah. yeah. It would have been a disaster. Yeah. Oh, you have a canoe. <laughs> so I'm getting my canoe, and then you know, like I said, I'll include it in my 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 300 something video. Oh, I would have been able to canoe out of the puddles. <laughs> yeah, fun. <laughs> it would awesome. have fast filled up. But yeah, that's it. So that's what I'm up to. Just busy running around, having fun. Cool. Yeah, I am also busy. Um, it it feels like this. Maybe it's because I was traveling couple, those couple of weeks, but it feels like October is just insanely busy is that the same for you guys or is oh it just, yeah. yeah my to-do list is crazy oh I just, I, you know it's i finally got to it's, it's like whatever like 3 30 i finally get a chance to relax today to like sit down and decide what i'm gonna do and then i'm like oh i gotta do the podcast i was like <laughs> getting ready to like start turning on the table saw and cutting stuff up and i ran over here to meet you guys yeah so it's it's been super busy for me and it's gonna be that way i, I guess from now on i don't know <laughs> i'm not <laughs> expecting it to slow down but um, yeah, so I, I released a video today of some some more shelves, yet another shelving video, uh-huh. like my fourth one or something. Um, but it's a different technique and different, you know, different look and stuff. So that one went up today. Uh, made those for a friend, and last week I started working on a project that 
will go up next week. I'm not going to tell you exactly what it is, but I was starting to cut some aluminum on the X-Carve. And uh-huh. so that was a interesting new experience. And so I, I did that knowing that I had the wrong bits and knowing that the stock spindle would be like adequate, but not really powerful enough, you know, it, like it works and, and it did work. The, the stuff I was cutting worked the first time. It just, ha- it just had to move really slowly. How long? 16 hours, <laughs> two Not eight bad. hour two eight hour days of, you know, like l- just letting it run. And that was partially because the spindles, you know, relatively weak. Um, but it, it's sufficient for wood for, for sure. Um, and then the bit was, I was using a single flute bit, which is not correct, but the other ones I had ordered weren't in yet. So I just kind of like, well, I'll give it a shot. If I break one of these bits, no big deal. And then it worked. So I just kind of like let it keep going, you know, but so that's been an interesting kind of new thing learning that. And, um, so hopefully I'm, I'm really happy with how the video came out and the project in that video. So I'll be happy to share that next week. Um, other than that, I ordered a laser. Mm. Which one? The Glowforge. Oh, yeah. you did get the Glowforge. I did That's get awesome. the Glowforge. Yeah. yeah, I'm waiting to get a free one, so I'm going to hold out a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> that would be nice, but I just I can I don't know. Yeah. I'm, so so I, the deal with them right now is that they're fifty percent off for the next like ten days or something. Yep. And so I didn't want to miss that opportunity of you know like wait fifty percent off from the thirty seven hundred dollar price. No, no, no. So uh, right now, the small one is two thousand dollars. In ten days, it's going to be four thousand dollars from then on. Wow. So I just wanted to go ahead and like, if I'm going to do it, do it the cheapest way possible. Right. And uh, so I did that, and I'm really excited about it. I think it's going to be pretty cool. Yeah, I ordered um, one as well, which means I'm going to have two lasers come January. Nice. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't need two lasers, but the Glowforge. There's so many crazy, awesome things about it that I just had to have it. When uh, we talked last week after the podcast ended and, and we talked about the Glowforge a little bit, I was looking on the site. I literally, I was just about to buy it. I literally was like, all right, I'm going to get the big one. It's like close to $4,000. I was like, I'll buy it. I'll, I'll pre-buy it. And then I, I paused for a second. I was like, let me just wait a minute. See <laughs> see if I get one to, to maybe, maybe, maybe I'll be lucky enough to get one to, to test drive. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you never know, but you know. I, I, would, I didn't want to miss the opportunity to be able to get one. Because, I mean, lasers are one of those things that, like, you... you I Well, I'll speak for myself. I don't really have a clear idea what I'll do with it, much like I didn't with the 3D printers or CNC. But I know that if it's around, I'll come up with ideas for it. And if I'm going to go at it with that intention, like not having a specific use for it, I have to do it the cheapest way I can possibly do it. I just can't justify four mm-hmm. grand, you know, on a, on a laser. Um, so I figured... Well, this will be a good shot to. to I, I'm. I, I know I can use it for tons of branding. In fact, one of my clients, one of my liquor clients, said that they would actually help me buy it if uh, you know if I wanted to buy a big epilogue one that they would be willing to help me uh, share the burden of the uh, you know the monthly payment if I bought you know like a five or ten thousand dollar one. Mm. But the only reason I haven't pulled the trigger on it is I just don't have any space to commit to it. You know because I'm afraid I you know I want to wait till I have more of a cleaner environment for it because I know it's not going to survive in my workshop downstairs. Yeah, let's let's talk point. briefly for people who don't know about it. What's so special about this new machine? So this is a a new company that went at the uh, so one of the problems with existing lasers and David, you might be able to speak to this because you actually have firsthand experience with this. I don't. Is that um, the software typically mm. is is awful mm-hmm. and it and there's a lot of finicky stuff about getting the laser, you know, set up to be able to cut in the in the correct place at the correct height, which has a lot to do with the focus of the laser, which in there, you know, causes the sharpness of the cut. And so there's this like sequence of things that have to be right for you to get good results in the end. And a lot of that goes back to just the software being awful and hard for you to get the results that you want to get. And so the guys from Glowforge went, and they're not a sponsor or anything. Don't think we're like hawking their, you know, <laughs> this, we're just interested in the product. Um, they went at it from a different perspective, kind of like other companies who have been trying to get people into CNC at an easier level. And so they made software that makes it easy to do the cutting. You can drag and drop your designs onto the material that you want to do on an iPad or on your phone or whatever, and then just hit like cut or print or whatever the button is. And 
So the, one of the big, physically, one of the big things different about the laser than other ones is that it has cell phone cameras inside the cabinet. And so the machine itself is aware of the material that you put in. It can find the top surface of the material instead of you having to probe to find where that is exactly. And it knows if the material is curved or flat, and it can adjust the focus of the laser based on the position of the material. So if you have, in like their promotional video, they have a MacBook Pro in there, which has a curved edge, right? Like a clamshell kind of edge. And as it's engraving something along the surface, it changes the focus of the laser to match the the change in curve on the edge. And that's, I mean, that blows me away. That's like, that's one of the big problems. Like other lasers just can't do that. Another great thing about the cameras is a, a, a typical laser now has like the red laser pointer beam where you so you can see you can kind of run like an outline of where you're about to cut or engrave. This new one, it has cameras in there. So whether you're on a computer or a Surface tablet or an iPad, you can see your material on your tablet and then you can position your art by dragging with your finger on the tablet where you want your artwork on the material. Like you actually will get to see if you put in a piece of wood in there, that piece of wood shows up you know, on your computer or tablet, and you can align stuff that way. It's really, really cool. It's so way beyond anything that any laser company is doing right now, and it's cheaper. It's just mind-blowing yeah. stuff. Another thing that they do in using the same cameras is that like, you can take a piece of material, whatever, take a Sharpie or a pen and draw on it, set it in the machine, and hit cut. And it, the cameras see the drawing that you made, and it lasers along that line. It's like you don't have to scan it and turn it into a vector and do all the, you know, you just put it in there. And it makes that cut, and then it saves that as a file so you could replicate it as many times as you want on other pieces. So, that's yeah. A, that's an amazing Stuff like feat. that. and then Simple. You're, it makes things simple. Yeah, and you're totally right that the fact that they can do all that stuff and it's cheaper than just about every other laser out there, it, I don't know. I mean, Way cheaper. I mean, we're yeah. talking half the price of everything else, if not yeah. more than half. So, All right, one more cool thing about it, and then we'll stop. <laughs> so the larger version of this, I got the small one, but the larger one actually has a pass-through so that there's an opening in the front and back. So you can slide in, a, you know, say you had a 10-foot board. You slide in. It makes an engraving on the 20 inches or whatever it can do at a time. And then you just push the material on through. And the cameras right. track where it just engraved, align to that engraving, and continue. So you could you could engrave like a continuous pattern along, I, I guess, an indefinitely long board. I don't, I don't know. But anyway, so if you're interested, we'll put a link in the show notes because it, it does look pretty awesome. I think it's a great way to get into laser if you want. And some point in the future, not this episode, but at some point we should talk about lasers, CNC, 3D printing, that type of stuff, and whether those tools are, like, they're not accessible to everybody, but that shouldn't be a turnoff from them being used in videos. I mm. think that would be a good topic, so we should yeah. talk about that at some point. Mm. All right. But for today, I asked people on Twitter... Um, at Making It Podcast, in case you don't follow us on Twitter, you should. Um, anyway, I asked people for some topic ideas, and Andrew Setters, do you guys know Andrew? Yep. Andrew's a good guy. Good guy. He put out the the, the response to the PSA, right? Yes. He, he put out yeah. an excellent video. We'll link that. That was great. Well, um, is really thoughtful about the uh, process of creating content and the reaction to that content and stuff. Anyway, Andrew said... What did you want to be when you grew up? When you grew up, and what would the kids' version of you think about what you do for a living? <laughs> that was an awesome question. So yeah. let's talk about that. Who wants to go first? I'll you go want first. Me to first. I want Jimmy to go first All because right. I have a feeling that <laughs> it's not much different. <laughs> the kid version probably is exactly the same as the adult version. <laughs> well, it's funny. I. As I grew up, my, my dad, I say this before, my dad always shoved tools in front of me. And he did it to me and my, my two brothers and my sister. But I was the one who, who spent the most time in the shop. My, my dad, uh, it's funny, my dad went, he was on vacation with my mother. This is like a classic family story. And when uh, they went to a, a typesetter, like an old printer, and the guy would make like old like wanted posters and my dad came back and he had had a made he had this printer make a wanted poster an old school typeface on a printer like you know like an old guten i'm a letterpress whatever called gutenberg letterpress and uh 
he had, he had made a wanted poster for each one of the kids. And mine said the creation kid. The Jimmy DeResta, the creation kid, wanted for leaving things in the hallway and making airplanes and leaving them on the steps. And, and he said, and this is when I was like eight or nine years old, all these things that I made and left around the house. I was wanted for making a mess. And so it was my dad's like kind of little way of joking about me being, making things and, you know, leaving them everywhere in the house. And so I was called the creation kid. So as a kid, I just always wanted to make stuff and, and it just stayed that way. But then when I started to become a young adult, I, uh, I went to architecture class. My, it was my dad's, my dad's urging because he, I had also accompanied him on a lot of carpentry jobs and I was very interested in like how walls were built and stuff. And he, he urged me to kind of take the white collar version of building things and go the architecture route. So for, ten, for 10th, 11th and 12th grades, I spent half the day at architecture class at, at this other school and I learned math there as well. And the math was so hard for me. And the way for me to escape the math was just to like have fun and play with things and like hot glue things together in school. And the best part of architecture class was like making the models and like working out things. One of the most uh, fun experiences I had was when we had to engineer like uh, the egg drop test. We did that in architecture class, given a piece of paper to try and protect an egg. And you used uh, one piece of paper to make like a cradle so for the egg drop. You know, you drop the egg from whatever, however many inches. And then also we were given one piece of graph paper, and this was like an inter-high school thing. We were competed for other high schools. We uh, given one piece of graph paper, make a bridge that had to carry something between like a specified span. And, uh, you know, the, the weight was all relative to a piece of paper, what you could make with a piece of graph paper and Elmer's glue. And uh, so all those things were the most challenging, most rewarding parts for me. And then uh, as I started realizing math wasn't for me, I just said I wanted to be an artist, and I didn't really know what artist, what kind of artist I wanted to be. Guidance counselor said maybe you should be a graphic designer, and so then I went to school for graphic design, and I hated that. And I just thought of every excuse to always make things, and so uh, I can keep blabbing on, but I always just made things in my graphic design class. All my solutions were photographs of the three-dimensional solution, so I was doing three-dimensional illustration before I knew it was like a, a subject. So um, one of my graphic design teachers introduced me to a guy named Kevin, and Kevin became my mentor. He basically taught a course called Three-Dimensional Design and Illustration, and then he hired me to be a teacher, and I've been working in, in his department for the last 21 years. So like one thing led to another as a child, and it all started with my dad giving me a hot glue gun and like a box of cutoffs, and just like hot, I remember hot gluing them together. And uh, I remember like the hot glue would make like the string, you know, every time you pulled the tip away. And I made this airplane. If I had it now, I'd give it to, to Steve Ramsey. It was just a, uh, it looked like a bi-wing made out of all scrap parts and it had thousands of little glue strings on it. And I started <laughs> intentionally making the glue strings because I liked the way they looked. So it was this like airplane that looked like it was all covered in cobwebs. So That's awesome. That was my first hot glue experience. That so, must have been about seven or eight years old. So if you're the, your seven or eight year old self were to come into your shop now and see what you do, what would the response be? I think he would be very proud of him of me. <laughs> I would be very proud of me. <laughs> because, you know, I, I, I never really lost that sense of playfulness. I mean, I ended up in the toy business for almost 15 years, and, and that sense of playfulness stayed with me because uh, another important teacher in my life was, was my friend Mark Sadaducato. I took his class as an elective, and he immediately recognized my, my sense of, of childlike inventiveness, and he nurtured that. It's something I didn't think I really, I, I never thought of it as a career, but, but Mark said, you know, you're an inventor. You really should think of yourself as an inventor and, and, and develop those strengths within you. And so I went from architecture to 3D illustration to toy design, you know, uh, as a matter of the people that, that were in my life. You know, I really, I really, uh, was fortunate enough to meet these people that kind of guided me through and say, hey, you know, you have this skill set, you should really experiment with this path or, or whatever it was, you know, there's different times in my life where I met these people. And um, there's many others. There's, you know, when I think of the people that inspired me as, as I was developing my what's and wants out of life, uh, you know, I think of these people all the time. And, uh, you know, they guided me through the, you know, through the trials and tribulations because, I mean, how many people do we know, especially in the YouTube world, they have a desk job and they hate it. They took a job, you know, out of safety. And I mean, I guess, you know, you, you guys had that experience, you know, before you became who you are now. And, uh, you know, I was fortunate enough to, to have people guiding me, you know, along the way. And uh, so 
I, I think I hit the mark. I'm really happy that I did. And, and I'm happy to be inspiring people to keep that childlike playfulness. So I'm done. Sorry. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> well, my first, I don't know, 10, 12, 13 years, I didn't, I wasn't into anything. And I was actually kind of like a lazy kid. I didn't, I, I didn't really play any sports. I wasn't really into art. I wasn't, I didn't do anything. And then in my teenage years, I just wanted to be a rock star. I just, I just wanted to play music. <laughs> and late teens, early twenties, I was playing in bands, and I never got really good. I just got good enough to play punk songs. But I always wanted to be. <laughs> <laughs> I was really good at playing power chords. <laughs> yeah. like guitar face. And it, and it's still to this day, I'm not a great guitar player or. But I think I write decent songs, and um, but I just always wanted to be that rock star. I always wanted to be up on on stage, and I finally realized like I don't I don't think this is gonna happen. So a few years after high school, I was decided to go to college, get go into graphic design, and I was never even into art before I went to graphic design school. I just thought that sounded like the cool thing to do. And that's what really changed me is some of the instructors and professors there, they really got me thinking about design. And then, so I always thought, all right, well, I'm gonna be a graphic designer. And then I never really got to be a graphic designer. I kind of got thrown into web design and, and photography. And so it's it's just my path is weird i think i have a short attention span where i'm always changing what i want to be and where i want to go and i accidentally fell into woodworking i accidentally fell into making videos doing woodworking and so here i am i think graphic designer though i mean everything you do yes well yeah and and now yeah now i am all all those experiences throughout my life have led up to where i am now so not always but a lot of times i make the own my music in my videos I do the graphic design. I do the the web design. I you know I work for a marketing agency for many years. I get to do that now with myself. All that photography and video background is is now paying off. And so now I kind of feel like a rock star. Like I am uh-huh. up on stage. YouTube is oh, now my stage. And oh, then wow, that's really that's a really great metaphor. That's great. Yeah, and like when we were at WIA, our booth was crazy kicking, right? All these people were uh-huh. there to see us and 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 to hang out with all of us. That felt like being a rock star. It was just like this is so cool. I can't believe I have this. I can't believe people are here to see me and and everybody else. And so. I actually don't know where I'll be 10 years from now because of I'm always changing. My, my goals are always changing and I have a short attention span. So, but right now I'm doing exactly what I want. And I think the little kid in me would be a little bit disappointed that I didn't become a rock star, but would be very satisfied with where I am now because I'm doing my own thing and I am my own boss and, you know, I'm living the dream. That kid version of you would be really disappointed that you didn't have that you don't have like metal hair. I know. Oh, like 80s man. metal hair right now. Oh man, no I'd spandex. Be, you know, an adult version of me is missing metal hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, Bosley, if you're listening, I am all up for a sponsorship for a hair transplant. I want hair. I want hair you more. You should make than- a wooden hair piece. That would be <laughs> <awesome>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And run some uh, boiled linseed oil through it to style it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah. Well, Bob, for you, me, can, you can give both of us some of your hair, Bob. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the hair's just a little too good. I got I got thick head of hair, but yeah. For me, um, as a kid, I wanted to be. It's funny. I'm. I was writing down notes as I get to do because I usually talk last on these. Um, and it's. I had never really put this together, but I wanted to be an archaeologist for a long time. I wanted to be Batman, James Bond, and Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> You're all of those things. Well, yeah. kind of. I <laughs> so I, I used to love Batman. I mean, I'm still a big Batman fan, but I um the thing I loved about Batman was that he had like all the awesome toys, right? He had his own space that was like secret, and it was he just had all the best, coolest stuff there, and he could use those things that he had to like solve crimes. And but he wasn't like a super guy, right? He was just a dude. With a ridiculous amount of money, which I'm not, but you know, he was just a guy 
And um, so I, I really like that. And I remember as as a you know probably ten year old or something, my parents gave me a big portion of our basement to just like play and do whatever I wanted to in there. And um, so I set up like a kind of fake bat cave, and I had our Commodore sixty four on the table, <laughs> and you know like a fake phone and like all this. I don't know. And I would make like these random made my own bow and arrow, and uh, out of some like oak flooring one time and made my first pair of roller skates and stuff like that. So I had made all these like weird little invention things and had them around this little bat cave area. Anyway, I've always liked Batman. Um, I've always liked James Bond and I'm seeing a pattern here now that I'm looking at the three of these things, but he was a guy that would always solve problems and he had cool gadgets, right? But he was never like super famous and never, you know, he was undercover a lot and stuff. Sherlock Holmes is kind of the same way. He solved people's problems, but he wasn't like a, an action guy anyway so i wanted to be all three of those things um and i i think probably that kid would be pretty happy with the fact that i get to just play all the time basically you know i mean (laughs) i get to like i mean like i can't tell you what i worked on today because it's going to be hilarious when i do but it's it's the ten-year-old version of me will would be so excited (laughs) does it does it have anything to do with what's right over your shoulder there um, it does, but don't say it. <laughs> okay, hold on. <laughs> Teaser. I was just about to blow your covers. Sorry. Yes, it does have something to do with that thing that yeah. everyone will totally know it's me. Anyway. Is that a cake or is that actually something? It's, a, it's not a cake. It's a thing. <laughs> that would be it's an amazing thing. cake. Oh. That's not food. No, it's not food. Okay. Sorry. Anyway, so all the people that can't see what we're talking about, if, you in, will. in a month or so, you'll get to see this ridiculous project that I'm working on. But I think the kid version of me would just be like, wow, you're really lucky because you get to play with tools all day and you get to like make ridiculous stuff and you get to, you know, make skateboards. And so, yeah. You would walk into your shop and look at that thing and go, can I eat that? <laughs> Is that a cake? <laughs> I love cake. Yeah. So, I, and honestly, I, um, I kind of hope to be that same, the way I expect my 10-year-old self would have reacted to where I am now. I hope I, my kids can react to me that same way now. And I know that's kind of maybe not realistic because, you know, they get to see me on a daily daily basis. They know I make videos and maybe it's not that amazing. It's just like passe to them. Um, but I hope that I can like instill some of that. Hey, it's okay for you to like be creative for a living and get to just do things that are interesting for a living. I hope I can help them grab hold of that. Cause I think a lot of kids aren't even like, they don't get the chance to see that in action. You know, even if they know that, you know, air quotes, anything's possible. Like you can Mm -hmm. do anything in your job. They may not actually get to see that happen um, in the adults in their lives. So hopefully I can show my kids that it's possible. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like one of the awesome things that we get to do in a broad space on YouTube is like Mm -hmm. all the kids that ever watch YouTube get to see us having fun and get to see us exploring and making stuff. And so that's, I don't know, that's ex- and that's you know honestly that's what the you know the maker movement is definitely about keeping that sense of play and that's what's so that's what's so nice about being at a maker fair like I was just at Pittsburgh maker fair and and everybody has that sense of discovery you know or they're refinding that sense of discovery that they had when they were a kid you know they they they're setting their shops up and they're buying tools again for the first time you know since maybe they were in high school and now they they finding some time outside their regular job. And, you know, just as you guys did, you realized, you know, your regular job isn't, isn't as fun as having fun time. And fun time now is your job. And uh, yeah, I, so it's, it's, it's really nice to see that in, in everybody that I've been meeting. I think a lot of the, you, this, this play stuff and problem solving and making things with your hands actually translates to whatever job that you have, right? I mean, right. it builds on all of that. Like yeah. the, the sharing aspect of it on Facebook and Twitter and YouTube is kind of helps you with the communication at work or the problem solving that you do to figure out how to make something translates to problem solving at work and and it it all interacts with each other. Yeah, totally. And a case in point kind of related there is that the guy that asked this question, Andrew Setters, he, he's making YouTube videos. They're good. They're, they're like good projects and stuff. The first time I watched one of his videos, my first response to him was, wow, do you do radio? Because you have like a killer radio voice. Did you know? I think he. I think he's a news reporter or something. He, yeah, he's on TV now, and yeah. he used to do radio before that. But yeah, it's funny how you know that career that he had, and I don't know anything about his career really, but that career that he's obviously very good at and he's very well suited for 
is a, a great vehicle for him to to do YouTube stuff. And it's not his full-time job. I don't know that that's his intention. I don't, maybe it is, but it's awesome that totally what you're saying, David, like your job can inform like how you do other stuff and how you do other stuff can totally inform your job. And, you know, those things don't have to be mutually exclusive because that may be one of the dangers of, you know, people watching some of us go, Hey, we're quitting our jobs and going full time. That's not the only way to do it. And that doesn't mean that that's for everybody. And, you know, it's not like you have to have all YouTube creation or all full-time job that you hate. There's a, a million miles in between those two things. Sure. Where, the, where the majority of people fit, I would imagine. You know? Mm-hmm. Yep. But. No, I, I love, I mean, I love, uh, I try and keep that sense of discovery of like constantly playing. So, I mean, one of the advantages of obviously, you know, you know, having like a, a visible YouTube channel is I get to play with like free stuff once in a while. And, you know, just opening up that, that saw stop is, is so much fun to be able to discover that and play with that. And, um, you know, recently, most recently with me, with, with my X carve, I finally started using it. I know I said that already, but it sat there unused for a long time only because I just couldn't, I, I was a little intimidated by it. I know it sounds totally ridiculous because it's a simple machine to use, but I was a little intimidated by, uh, by figuring it out. And thankfully I did, I got over the hump, but, um, once, you 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 dig into a new product or a new thing. It just I just want to play with it and just you know figure out its boundaries. You know how it works and you know break it. Not really, but you know push it to its limit. And I've I uh, found being a musician every time I got a new guitar or a new drum set or whatever for whatever reason that would inspire me and I would be able oh, for whatever reason I could write a new song. Right. Like I got a new guitar. All of a sudden I have a new song. I don't know why that is, but it's the same thing. Like the laser or CNC or new table saw or just a, a new dovetail saw that it just inspires you to, to get out and yep. make something, make something new. I'm thinking, uh, I'm thinking about my, my rusty old truck, you know, that whole pile that big giant pile of crap. That, that thing, it's so much fun for me to go out there and play on that. I totally feel like a kid again, playing with that thing. <laughs> and I'm getting some videos out of it. Awesome. And my my eighteen year old self is still influencing my forty year old self because I still like I, I I keep wanting to push what I do and still be that I guess I'm air quotes rock star of of, of woodworking. I I want to have my own style. You know, rock stars usually have their own style, and I'm still developing my how I want to tell my story my videos and have my own style and I still want to be the best at what I do, which there's, there's a lot of awesome competition. So that's, that's hard. But my, my 18 year old self is still pushing and influencing. My 18 year old mm. self was really lazy. So I hope he stays where he was. <laughs> <laughs> my 18 year old self was drunk all the time. Honestly, I was just mm. drunk. I had, I was making things, but I was making things a lot of the time hungover. So I'm glad I don't do that anymore. Yeah, he should stay where he is too. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was, when I was in high, uh, just going into SVA and stuff, I was a total heavy metal head. Me and my friends would, like in elementary school, middle school, we drank beer all the time and smoked cigarettes. And we literally lived the life of Beavis and Butthead with alcohol and cigarettes. That's all we would do is we would watch MTV, make fun of what was going on on the TV. Occasionally we'd go out in the yard and shoot BB guns or blow something up with, you know, with blockbusters or whatever set something on fire every now and again, go back inside, drink more beers and smoke more cigarettes. So that's I'm a message to all it. you stoners. You can be successful <laughs> just like Jimmy Duresta. <laughs> no, or no. you can be more <laughs> successful if you don't waste all those years doing that. Yeah. No, well, the point I'm making is I stopped doing that. I yeah. stopped doing yeah, that yeah, when yeah, I was yeah. 20. And so now here I am. Now, yeah. wishing I was still drunk. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I, I, I'm sure everybody has this, but I wish I would have gotten into woodworking and making and building way before. Like I've I've only been woodworking for four years. But I can't imagine. Like, what if I did this at 18? You know, where would I be now? And I know we all think that, and it's not a it's not a really healthy thought. But why, well, did, why did it take me so long to get here? But think about, you know, what you said earlier about how, like, we are, at present time, we are the summation of mm. every experience we've ever had. And if you were to have started doing this years before, say 10 years before, those 10 years of photography experience and graphic design experience and all that stuff probably wouldn't happened or yeah. wouldn't have happened, you know, to the degree that they did. 
and that totally informs where you are now and yeah. what you're capable of. So yeah, it's, it, it's easy to look back and say like, Oh, I wish I had done this, wish I hadn't done that. But you know, we are a product of everything that we do and you know, uh, of course, I'm meeting lots of fans as we all are, uh, you know, at the maker fairs and stuff. But I, whenever I meet like a 12 or 13 year old kid, I say, and they seem so passionate about woodworking or whatever it is they really want to learn. And they meet me and, you know, they're, they're, they're anxious to, and thankful to meet me. I always say to them, well, you're so much further ahead having this passion at the age of 13, 14, 15. You're so much more ahead of, you know, your, your contemporaries knowing right now that you just want to dig into the wood shop and just figure it all out. You know, I, I meet these kids, they're so anxious and chomping at the bit to learn more about how to make stuff. And I say, I go, it's very rare quality. You should really nurture that. You know, I, I, I make sure I tell it to every 15, 16 year old kid I meet. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't know if I mentioned this. Um, when I was at uh, Atlanta Maker Fair, I met this kid named Dominic and I hope he's listening because he's an awesome kid and he motivated me just from listening to how excited, you know, kind of like you're saying, just how excited he was about what he's doing. He's, uh, he's on these robotics teams. He's, he's 11 years old. He's on, he's like the, the captain of a robotics team and they've gotten all these different awards and they've won these different things. And he was just so excited about it. And his parents were there with him and he came, he wanted to meet me cause he'd watched the videos and stuff. And his whole thing was like, I'm working as hard as I can to learn robotics and all this stuff because I want to go to Georgia Tech or MIT. This kid's 11 years old, <laughs> super motivated, super passionate about a direction. And, and it was awesome to see that and awesome to see parents that were just like, we're going to do whatever we can do to help him get where he wants to go because he's, yeah. you know, he's like, he's sprinting already. So we're going to help him. And yeah, it's, it's amazing to see that, um, especially at a young age, you know, these kids are, yeah. Really in, the last, in the last two weeks, I had two young young boys visit me in my shop with their parents. And their parents were super sweet, and the kids were great. These two young boys, two separate boys and their parents. And uh, they had the motivation. It's just amazing to see the fire that these two young guys had for woodworking and wanting to make stuff. And the parents were just like, hey, if he's got it now, that's just fantastic. And, you know, and the parents were also very thankful for like, the type of stuff that we provide. Because you know, not you know, the jobs that they have aren't always exactly what they could do to help the young, the young, the, the young son. Yeah. So um, you know, it was nice to hear the parents, uh, you know, acknowledge what we do, and, and you know, and it's the, and how they. Well, it's funny because on occasion I get parents. The kid talks to parents into going to this weird shop in the Lower East Side and meeting some weirdo that does things on YouTube. And then when I'm there, <laughs> you need a T-shirt that says that. That's, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And so then when the parents meet me, it's almost like they're like kind of vetting me while the kid's like going, oh, and he did this and he did that. And come, oh, there's this thing that's hanging on the wall. And, and the parents are just like kind of like, mm, okay, okay, where is it going to get weird? And it doesn't, of course. And, and I just encourage the kids. And then, you know, by the time they leave, the parents are always like, wow, it's pretty amazing that, you know, you, you're lighting this fire within my, my son. And, and it's all positive, you know, and, and, I, and it's just so rewarding, you know, the things that we do and crazy rewarding. Crazy, yeah. Oh. Awesome. Well, we got any other thoughts on this before we move on? No, I just, uh, you know, if, if anybody needs advice, it's just nurture that inner child that uh, is yearning to be set free. You know, I, I do meet people from time to time and I do get nice emails from people that say, I just can't get started or I just am stuck in this job and I can't wait to, you know, be free to do what you do. Or you've, you've ignited this fire in me to do this, but I can't, I, I don't have the opportunity to get the tools or whatever. But, you know, nurture that inner child that uh, is yearning to be creative and make things. You know, even if it's making origami or if it's making pottery or taking a class at the high school or hanging out with a, um, you know, this, this one of these young boys that, that, that I met this week, um, he, the retired high school woodshop teacher, has nothing to do now. And I think I, I, I might be just embellishing the story, but I think his department was cut. So he retired and he's now mentoring this young boy in his shop in the neighborhood because mm. he doesn't have a class anymore. He, he's mentoring this one boy one-on-one and the most incredible desk this that showed <laughs> me. I was like, you made that? You made that? He goes, well, I made it with, with my instructor. You know, he's basically as a private tutor, you know, so and, cool. and this guy is, this guy's just passionate about teaching and this young man's passionate about learning. So, you know, I, I just, 
encourage even even adults to find that person that's going to ignite that inner child. Yeah. That's it. And if you awesome. have that job that you hate, use that as your motivation to go home afterwards and and learn. Mm-hmm. You know, have a reason to look forward to going home, you know. Yeah, I think um <clears throat> maker spaces are are good to both of those points too. Like if you don't have access to a lot of tools, which you know a lot of people don't, a makerspace is good for that because you can go there and have access to a lot of things that you may not have room for or be able to afford or whatever, and you have access to them whenever you want. One of the other big advantages about makerspaces that is often not brought up is that if you're going there for that type of thing because you're looking for a creative outlet, so is everybody else. Mm-hmm. And so you're going to a place that the reason people are there is because they want to make stuff. You talk about like, you know, meeting people with like-minded people, that's the place to go. I mean, you will meet some people that you can do projects with, that you can learn stuff from, that you can teach things to. You know, there's there's a lot value, a lot of value there above and beyond the actual space, like yeah. the physical stuff there. So do you guys have a tech shop near you? Everyone was talking about a tech shop in Pittsburgh, and I didn't have time to meet meet anybody. I mean people that go there, but I didn't get the chance to go there. Is there a no. difference between a tech shop and a makerspace? Tech shop, tech shop is, is, is a, a brand. Is a, is a oh. branded, like, okay. uh, you know, they're in several cities. Yeah, it's like a, you know, kind of a chain. restaurant deal, a chain of, of makerspaces <laughs> that are really well put together, well managed. They have a huge amount of, of equipment and stuff like that. It's just a kind of higher tier rather than the, you know, kind of grassroots makerspace that are often based in a single city run by a group of individuals and stuff like that. But And re- real quick, and... A lot of places don't have makerspaces. Like, there's not a really decent one where we are for 50 minutes away in Ann Arbor. But um, there, there's there's plenty of guys around here that actually teach woodshop out of their out of their home. And if you don't have access to these tools, go take a class, and you, you get hands on. You learn so much more by hands-on learning from somebody than you do from YouTube because mm-hmm. you, you get that you get that muscle memory, you get the, the, the tactile feel of, of the wood and the machines. So just go take a class. Yeah. And even like Woodcraft has Yes. Has oh yeah, Woodcraft's so, a great resource for those those workshops. That's a great idea. Yeah. So there's there's a lot of options out there, you know, if you just if you don't have the time, the tools, the space, whatever, but you still want to be able to make stuff to have that creative outlet, I think there's probably a lot of options to try to stay a kid so <laughs> um all right let's let's talk about what we're watching what are you guys watching uh so there's this youtube channel called d hugger are you guys familiar with this with yep. the crazy organic motion sculptures uh no. core 77 okay. just picked up on this channel i've highlighted it before a long time ago in my old wrap-ups but there's just these wooden mechanisms sculptures that are say it again what is the name d hugger d-h-u-g-g-e-r and just awesome beautiful wood motion sculptures just really really cool stuff doesn't show you how they're made but when you just see them in motion you're like i quit (laughs) (laughs) i don't think i'm gonna watch (laughs) that so that's my pick very cool um, I'm going to give my spot this week to William Lutz, who's been a huge supporter of me and uh, all of and all of us. He's and, a good dude. Uh, we, we met him out in San Francisco, and he just doesn't stop him and Andrew. And uh, I've given those guys, maybe I shouldn't say because people are going to get upset with me, <laughs> but I've given those guys both this week. They should get them by the time this podcast airs. I made them special monogrammed ice picks. Oh, so man. They have their own special monogrammed ice picks coming to them. And, and they know they're coming because I asked for their address. But um, so uh, I just want to say, check out William Lutz. His energy is, is incredible. His, uh, you know, the inner child is definitely ever present in his videos. And when you hang out with him and when you talk to him online, he's just, he's just such a funny guy. And, and like I said, talk about the inner child. It's appropriate <laughs> that I was thinking of him for this, uh, you know, now that we've talked about it. And uh, it's just appropriate. Sweet guy. And, yeah. uh, and his wife's awesome him. too, Casey. Or Absolutely. Wife yeah. or girlfriend. But both of them, they offered us a place to stay when we were out west. Just amazing people. Yeah. Super cool. William Lutz. And uh, he's uh, he's over on the I Like to Make Stuff Facebook page. Yeah. And he, um, he made a giant ice pick 
based around yep. yours, which is <laughs> yes, pretty awesome. Yes, that's right. Yeah. That's right. And he, these guys ran all kinds of promotions trying to get me over the hump when we were talking about the uh, resin figure. And I, he's going to run a promotion where he's going to give that away somehow. I, I yeah, gives that away. I hope he gives it to me. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be greedy, Jimmy. <laughs> no, but that's thank your you, greedy brother. childhood coming out of you. <laughs> mine, mine, <laughs> mine. <laughs> So uh, for my pick, I'm I've picked uh, Nighthawk and Light. Have you guys heard of this channel? I it's might a, need it's a refresher. A, it's a really big channel, I think. Pretty sure, but he makes the really high quality videos. They're really interesting, and it's a r- interesting combination. Seems to be a lot of explosions and fire, but um, just all sorts of like the most recent one was how to make a thermal lance, and and so he makes basically for you to do like welding. Out in the middle of the woods, you can you can like build this. Uh, I just put him one step closer to a million subscribers. Wow, it's it's crazy. So he he's done that. He makes like how to shoot flaming arrows or auto igniting steel wool fire arrows. <laughs> how to make your own foghorn uh, guitar. It's just it's all over the place and really interesting. Really wide variety of stuff. So um, go check him out wow. for sure. Lots of incredible stuff. Yeah. Very cool. Um, so before we go, I want to thank uh, Luis Gonzalez and Jeremy White. They're our top guys at Patreon. Um, they continue to support the show, and we're really grateful for both of them. And for everybody else who helps us out but from Patreon that helps us keep the show going, and uh, it really does mean a lot. So if you want to do that and help there, you can go to patreon.com slash making it. If you don't want to do that, you could just share the show around. That helps a lot, too. Um, gets more people aware of what we're doing and that's awesome um, or you can go to iTunes leave us a review and a rating that helps as well so or you could just like give us high fives next time you see us that I would like be high awesome. fives high fives are mm-hmm. good yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, speaking of high fives not at all uh, <laughs> we're there's talk of us some of us going to the Rochester Make, Mini Maker Fair mm-hmm. in New York November yep. 21st I'll be there I will probably be there. Um, That's the plan as of now. So Mm -hmm. if you guys are in that area, uh, you know, come hang out with us. I think if we go, we might be doing talks. Maybe, I don't know if we're doing it together or separate talks or something. But anyway, we're going to be there. So if you're in that area, come check it out. Yep. And um, yeah, I guess that's it for this week. Yeah. That'll be fun. Thanks for hanging out with us and we'll see you next time. Bye, my book. Thank you all. Oh, yeah, buy David's book. <laughs> I love you. I love you. Kisses. Love you more, man. Aww. I really love you, man. I love All you right, most. I gotta go. Bye. <laughs>